I feel like if every CFP person wrote a book, we'd make so much change in this world. Like if everybody, even if you made like a pamphlet or a packet. You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Eugene George is today's guest, and after a career in teaching and technology, she is pursuing the CFP designation. So Eugene is looking at how best to break into the profession as a career changer. Join us as we follow Eugene on her path in financial planning. Straight ahead, we've got an outside view of the financial planning profession and even some tips from Hannah on how to evaluate job offers from broker dealers or RIA firms. Well, thanks for joining me today, Eugene. Yeah, I'm very happy. You know, there's only a few times where I get to hang out with the FPA group outside of the Facebook chat. So it's always great to see what's happening. Yes. So I am so excited. Um, We are going to be doing, I think, four-part series with you, um, kind of about your path to getting into the financial planning profession. It's very different. So I'm very excited to talk about that. Where kind of are you in the process of, of getting into the profession right now? Okay. So basically, I came in to financial planning in the most unorthodox way. I had no inkling for money or any type of, um, I was never like, oh yeah, I'm going to get into finance. That's really my thing. I stumbled upon um, a book about, I think it was like six years ago or five years. It was like one of those Tony Robbins books where they were talking about like the thing that's separating um, folks that are saving money is fees. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have a, I have a 403B. This is ridiculous. And so I was like, kind of like angry, but didn't really do anything. So when it comes to where am I in the process, I don't want to, I try not to quote Sheryl Sandberg right now because she's under a lot of hot water, but (laughs) I think I'm trying to phrase this as life is a uh, jungle gym and not a straight line. So I have had, um, I've worked in two industries prior to this. So I've worked in education and then I've worked in um, technology and then I've moved into uh, the space. So if we're talking about like, what am I actually doing in the financial planning space? I am currently taking classes um, to get my CFP certification. Um, while I'm doing that, I'm also getting my MBA because um, I knew that this was probably a very rare opportunity for me to be 31 without children. Um, and I have basically used the CFP Uh, standards and have looked at different financial industries for my MBA classes. So basically every single thing that I've done that has to do with a paper is me learning about TD Ameritrade, like really what's their deal? Um, What's like the best HR practices if you work for a financial firm? So that's kind of a very unique and unorthodox way I'm getting my MBA as well as doing the CFP certification. And then I'm also coaching, doing um, financial corporate wellness. So I partner with this company called On The Goga, and we go into different corporations and I'll teach basic personal finance classes. So like, what's the value? What's your money mindset? Um, And then all of those are 
oversought or um, I review all of those classes with uh, Christy Runzer, who is a CFP for Enroute Financial. So it's a very like wordy um, process, but I basically from this my experience, I've been like, how can I get my foot into the financial planning door? Because it is very, um, it's very different when you're not 21 or 22. So I was like, how can I get my foot into the door? I'm going to figure out this, this process. When we first talked, one of the things that really struck me was you said so many people that we interview on the podcast just stumble into financial planning and you're intentionally moving into financial planning. Yes. I love that differentiator because it's, you know, as it's very true, like how do you intentionally get into financial planning? Like that's the question, right? Right. So it's a very, um, it's a very heavy question because basically um, if you, if people know me or they look at me, I am an African-American woman and I went to a, a good school. So that kind of helped me always have like this, I can do anything mentality uh, in in many ways. And then um, the setting the intention, I was a teacher for Teach for America. And so I think that pretty much dictated the rest of my life. Like at first I was like, I'm going to go in, do Teach for America, and then uh, go and work for the state. Or like I was going to go in and then try to become a foreign service uh, officer. I was like, you know, this is just my my level up into whatever's next. And when you start teaching in an urban area where I actually taught in the Mississippi Delta, where literally every terrible statistic that you can think of when it comes to African-Americans, that hit, that slapped me in the face. And so when I said, okay, I'm going to do financial planning, I was like, I have to say, hey, I'm Eugene George. I'm, I want to help low and middle income folks. Most people that I know don't have any money or they don't have assets, but I know that this is just because people aren't focusing on them. I, I know, I know without a doubt, it is a blue ocean opportunity. And most people that are people of color, particularly women of color, are always kind of getting fallen under the trap of, of not having any money and saying that they're not worth any money. So that's why when I started, I was like, I don't, at this point, yes, I want to be a certified financial planner. That's like a part of the mission. But the mission now is at the end of the day, I'm helping women of color. I don't care what how I get how I get there, but we're gonna help make sure that women of color understand the history of things and then is also building wealth. So when we talk about like when did I start the the CFP idea, I mean, honestly. I was like one of those weird kids in fourth grade where I actually looked at stock, the stock market and was like, huh, that seems very interesting. And 25 years later, now I'm like, oh, okay. No, I understand that little passion that happened. But with setting the, the, the intention, like, you know, looking at a Hershey stock is different from setting the intention of like, okay, I want to make sure that women of color has the actual financial lingo so that when they go to an advisor, they don't look foolish because that's like, there's a lot of fear behind that. Looking at how you're intentionally getting into financial planning and, and knowing like that you want to serve women of color, what are you finding as you're exploring financial planning? Like, are you finding it open to these ideas or are you kind of, do you feel a little bit like around, you know, square peg and round hole? I would say it is a little bit of both. I would say the first part of getting into the industry is 
is very difficult. Like, you know, there are some times where I will go to a financial uh, class or an FPA meetup. And with the exception of Jocelyn Wright, I'll probably be like one of the few people of color. So that part is very different considering where I used to be, where everybody was a person of color when it came to like this, the kids that I serve. So that part is very different. It's like a slap in the face. It's like, whoa, there's a lot of history. And now, fortunately, um, because I've written a book about that, I understand that there is just so much historical pieces behind that. And so that's like very hard. The other piece that makes it really difficult is I have a weird name. And, uh, you know, saying Eugene, that has been an issue in the past. Even me, when I was trying to apply for jobs before, I was just like, now I'm going to do this, this, an entrepreneur thing on my own and then ask for help. For a while, I was working, contracted out, working for a, a couple of fintech companies. And one company was like, hey, can you use your, your page as a middle name? Because this is just too hard. And it's like, what? You know, like, that's that's not okay. Like, I, my parents, wow. I mean, it's like, you don't even understand the, the name. Like, it's not a made up name. It's like Ethel in France. Like, <laughs> you know, it's very frustrating. I was like, what? Um, and so that part is very frustrating to know that most people, when you look, if you look up financial planner, that guy's name is Jake, Jeff, Will, Bill. So having a name like Eugene is different. But then, I mean, I know what my name means. It means well-born. So it's like one of those weird things or, you know, there's that constant battle. But then there's like the positive part where... I chose the financial planning industry in the first place because everybody kept talking about how nice everyone is. So that was like, yes, are there negative parts of the financial planning world? Yeah, because, I mean, historically, we know all the way up until 19, you know, basically 1967, and then we still know that there's a lot of issues. Like the finance world was not open for women of color. It wasn't open for women. If you already know that history, it's not fun to understand that, but but once you break past that, there are like a lot of amazing people in the financial planning community, and they're super helpful. Like the most helpful people. It reminds me of when I was a teacher. Like when you are teaching and you're like, I don't have anything prepared, and you text your friend and you're you say like, Hey, um, I know, um, I think Autumn's about to be. I think Autumn used to be a teacher too. Like, hey, Autumn, um, did you know, like, I don't have this lesson plan. Can you help me with like nouns and verbs? And somebody's like, got it. I'll send you something over right now. <laughs> so like, that's what I've been doing. Like I've I've reached out like via Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook. And I've been like, hey, does anybody know anything about, you know, having a 1.5 business model, income-based business model? And it's like, yes, give me a call tomorrow, you know? And I think that is the beauty, but you have to get past the, the, the stigmatism of you don't, you're not, you can't access that. And I think being a student too does help. If somebody's majoring in financial planning, that definitely helps. Like me saying that I'm an MBA student definitely helps. Like just be like, hey, what's your what is it that you're doing? Um, and people are really, really nice. So 
that's kind of, it's like a very weird thing because the financial planning industry is very open, but you have to break through by knowing your history and knowing how to have a conversation with folks. So, so on your like path into financial planning, are you looking to have your own firm? Are you looking to work for somebody? Like what's kind of your, like, where do you want to be in a year or two years? So that's like a very heavy, <laughs> I feel like that's a very heavy thing right now. Cause at, at this moment I'm, I will be done with my MBA in March. So it's kind of a weird time, but I'll be done with my MBA in March. And I am now currently working on a business model to help more financial advisors tap into basically the blue ocean of middle income folks, like, and not middle income with high assets. One of the things, I guess one of my superpowers is project management. Uh, and that's probably from teaching. I mean, at a certain point, you just have to learn how to create something and, and present it to someone in a short period of time. You know, I thought for the longest, like, yes, I'm going to go and work for a firm once I'm done with taking my series 65 and once I'm done with getting my CFP. But I think, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing some part-time stuff and learning about that. But I think the big goal by the end of two years is to start having the conversation of like, okay, we, I, there needs to be a financial technology company for women of color. There's too many statistics that say that there are these problems. There's too many statistics that people, I'm so sick of reading blog posts that say, can you believe like women don't have enough access to wealth? Can you believe blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, there's no more excuses at this point. Like if I know that there's a tool and I know that there are great people and there are more financial advisors that can help, then I would like to do the non-learn best way and sell my business off to an insurance company. I would like to actually stick with it and say like, hey, what does financial planning look like for three plus years for one person who's never had any experience with financial planning except for when they had that one conversation with their 403B sitting in a lunchroom. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of people's, and then they, then they feel guilty about not being good at money. It's like, that can't work. And so there definitely right now is that push. And every time I like give a pitch or talk to anyone that's, you know, I talk to my friends that are not in the financial industry they're like, yes, this is what you need to do. And the tech, the tech people are a lot more like, do it, just go out there and do it. But now I'm like, well, I need a financial planner. Like I need this plan. <laughs> so like, that's kind of the, the issue. It's like, I know personally, I'm going to get my CFP for the sake of getting my CFP. And I think that is because one, I just want to understand the practice. Two, um, I know that having that shattering statistics, we kn- I know that 2% of African-Americans have a CFP. I know that 10% have, that's just people of color in general, if you clump everybody together. So um, yeah, I guess the goal is to create something that helps demystify financial planning. Because basically every single thing from what I gather that most people are getting with financial planning, if they are a, they're like people of color is, um, I don't like to poo-poo everybody, but like is Dave Ramsey. Like that's one of my first few, you know, you go to church, uh, they have a Dave Ramsey uh, conversation. They tell people never to use credit cards, never to use this. And that's kind of like their first interaction. And that's like their end all be all interaction with fight. Like 
anything that has to do with finance, right? I recognize that that part is a really big ask. So for the first, the second year is to to really focus on that in the first year. Um, this year right now is to make sure that the certification's done, the um, Series 65 is done, the um, doing project management for um, CFPs. I think that is probably the best thing to do within the next year is like get in there, under help people with their projects, become like the perfect fit for them. Um, and then do that within, you know, a year, 2019 is coming up. And then um, after that, yeah, I'm still building my brand. Like I've mentioned before, like I, I, I start, I wrote a book in November, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> and it's all about like uh, women and women of color and, and, uh, the book I, I think is going to be called Not Your Average White Guy's Money Book because 95% of books have been written by white guys. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I recognize that I have to build a brand. It's just very, uh, very, very difficult. Um, you know, fortunately, I have a partner in crime who's super, super supportive. Um, and then I also have like two future stepkids as well. And they are very supportive too. So that's very, very helpful. It's nice when, you know, there's a a six-year-old and a 12-year-old, but the six-year-old, she's always like, it seems like you're stressed. It seems like you need to do yoga. (laughs) And it's like, oh yeah, I do need that. So um, yeah, that part is very very healthy. But yeah, is it difficult? Shoot. Yeah. It's the hardest thing. It's it's also hard to explain to your parents too. Like, all right, guys, just wrote a book. I'm going to do these things. You know, my parents are like, what? You know, and I come from a family of uh, artists. That's the way I like to say it. Like the, the starving artist. If it's not like in song, it's not, <laughs> it's very different from my family. So you're really looking to break into financial planning and really build this new model. Yes. I think that's the hardest. Like I, I did a contracted job for a company that like Michael Kitsis recommends. I don't really want to say that person's name, but um, I did something, a job and the constant thing was, oh, you know, cause you weren't in, you, you know, you don't really understand this work because you never like did BD conversations. And so it was always like, oh yeah, you don't understand this. Oh yeah. You don't understand that. And I would, I was literally the only woman and then the only black woman for for that matter. And to hear that all the time, it's like, well, you know what, then I just need to create it because this is not working out. <laughs> like, or, you know, like, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. It's very difficult, but then it's so fun. Like it's, it's the first time where I get to kind of control what I want to do. And I think, especially if you're trying to, you know, get married and have children. And I've I've literally had two kids next to me all the time, um, which is very different. It's like, boom, you got the man and you got the kids. So (laughs) um, (laughs) it's very different. But now it's like, okay, now I have this fire lit under my butt because there wasn't one before. It was like, okay, I'm going to save money here. I'm going to do this here. You know, I'm going to travel here. So what I'm so excited about this project with you is that we're going to be tracking you over the next year, kind of seeing how things go and the questions that pop up and, and really just 
what is it like for somebody entering the profession? Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited to kind of see like how how you're how you progress into this. So, okay, so right now you're taking CFE courses. Yes. From your perspective, like what doesn't quite make sense? That's a great question because it's there are a couple of things that I've been really thinking about. Um, one of the questions that I see on the FPA Facebook chat a lot, and then I also am kind of experiencing it, you know, because there's always this one, I have one, one idea where, you know, I'm trying to magician this like FinTech company, but then there's this other side of me that's like, but remember your nice shoes and you remember all of those, remember the trips <laughs> I used to take? So it's like, oh, why don't I go to a BD? Um, or why don't you go and work for a firm? But honestly, I've kind of heard the same thing over and over again. So my one of my questions is, you know, based off of your experience, what's the difference between working with a BD and then working with a, uh, a firm? Or like an RIA firm. Yeah, like an RIA firm. Yes, yeah. I should have been more clear about that one. So I always struggle with this because I started out in a broker dealer and it was an amazing opportunity. So like I hear all the same kind of chatter maybe that you're hearing about, you know, you really should go to work for an RIA. You know, they're the ones who do planning. Uh, but where I was at, I was at an independent broker dealer and we had the freedom to do whatever we wanted. I mean, not, I mean, obviously there's boundaries to that, but we could do as much planning as we wanted. We could do as much. I mean, we had complete control over the types of investments that we put our clients in, um, how we charged, all of those different factors um, that were there. So I always struggle when people are like, oh, go get a job with an RAA. It's like, no, especially if you're getting your CFP, get a job where they do financial planning. Um, and financial planning is not synonymous with RAA um, or broker dealer or with anything. This is where people really have to go in and ask these questions. So when I was at the broker dealer, so I started out in the broker dealer and now I have an RAA. Gotcha. When I look at how I serve my clients, it actually remained consistent through that process. Some of the back office and like regulation and, and pieces of that, and I'm happy to go and talk more about that, changed slightly. Um, but how I serve my clients and my obligation to my clients. Um, so as a CFP, I have a fiduciary obligation to my clients. RAAs, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your clients. Um, broker dealers, there's like, I think there's nine plus different definitions of like what a fiduciary is. And depending on like the type of account you're doing, like if you're doing um, an advisory account, there's a level of fiduciary that's there. If you have your CFP, there's a fiduciary responsibility. Um, are they a strong? I mean, that's where some of the confusion comes in. But so for me, the decision of like, you know, do you want, if you're looking to start a firm, I think it's a whole different conversation of what do you need to start your firm and like, what's the best option? If you're trying to get a job, who is it that you're going to work with? Um, at the broker dealer where I was at, there was a number of different, um, people that I would see in the office on a regular basis. Um, I mean, like 20 plus that would, you know, kind of use the same conference room, you know, things like that. Like the broker dealer had an office for um, all the people in Dallas. And it was fascinating because some of the stereotypes, I think that's out there for new planners. Um, there were a couple of guys that, that fit that. Um, and, but then there were other people who were like, I've done planning my whole career. That's all I've ever done. And like, I believe them, like they're right. Um, so it really matters on who the person is that you're working with um, and asking them their philosophy of how they work with their clients and how they handle handle those arrangements. Because I think 
that is far more indicative of whether or not you're going to have a great learning environment. Um, some of the best planners I know are in broker dealers. And so to me, when I hear new planners say like, oh, I just only want to work at an RAA. I'm like, that's such a shame because you're cutting off so many um, amazing planners working for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly get that feeling. Um, just understanding that different companies have different cultures. Yeah. So that's, that is something that I is very helpful because, you know, I was doing all these interviews at like BDs um, and then also small firms, you know, trying to do the paraplanner route. Um, and it, it just always, it was kind of interesting, even that, that interview process of, okay, this is how you're going to do it here. This is how you're going to do it there. We're a little bit different here. We're a little bit different there. And the truth is, is I liked all of the groups. There was no, I dislike you, dislike you. Um, but yeah, there definitely is that. The next question that I have too is a lot of new planners. And fortunately, I live near Temple University's financial planning. Uh, there's the undergrad. So occasionally I'll go to meetings and events there, which is definitely, I'm very fortunate for where I live. I live in Philadelphia. So there's like the Federal Reserve Bank. There's a lot of broker dealers. There's a lot of finances really big out in Philly. So that part I, I recognize. But for someone who doesn't live in a place like that, or for someone who is just starting out, why do you think it's important to differentiate yourself or your personal brand um, instead of working with a, a, a firm, if that makes sense? Like what, you know, I think one of the things that I've had issues with, especially coming from the entrepreneur side is kind of falling into the, like, you're going to be this company or you're going to be that company. It's like, no, but I want to be myself. Can I be myself? Like, how can you figure out your own person, your personal side in the financial industry um, while still working for a, a firm or a BD? To me, it's all about bettering yourself. So like we talk about how, um, you know, if we can get like somebody in their twenties to start saving for retirement, how much better they're going to be later on in life because they started so early. And I think so much of this has to do with like your career as well. Um, so when, when I first started, one of the best things that I ever did was invest heavily into myself. So for me, that looked, um, like I did the sudden money training. And so that fundamentally changed how I worked with clients. Uh, but doing so, it, it kind of gave me, it kind of differentiated me a little bit because it was like, oh, I see the world a little bit differently. Like my clients talk, you know, when they're with their friends, I hope that they talk about me a little bit differently than like their friends talk about their, you know, investment guy. Um, and so I started doing some of those things. Um, you know, I was just talking to somebody where I look at what are the things that I do that I can take with me if I move firms. So especially when I was back at the broker dealer, you know, nobody could take my client skills away from me. Right. Like those are things that I developed. Those aren't things that would stay with a firm. Um, you know, we, you know, talking about building your COI network, I mean, that's building your personal brand. And if you move firms, your COI network goes with you. Like that's, right. that's value that you bring. Um, it makes you far more valuable. It makes you far more, I mean, you can command a higher dollar, you know, if you're, if you're 
two people interviewing for the same position, but you're like, Hey, but I have this huge network of, you know, potential refers or, you know, that I've been, you know, this network that I've been building for the last 10 years. I mean, that just puts you at just this incredible advantage. Um, and so that's, yeah. So I, I've now started kind of thinking of that personal brand of like, what can I bring with what stays with me, Hannah, what stays with me as a person um, outside of who I work for. Um, and, you know, some fr- firms aren't friendly with that. Like they don't, for whatever reason, they don't want you to, you know, build out your personal brand. I firmly believe that it helps both parties. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe in that too, just because like, um, First of all, there are not enough CFP bloggers out there. And it's like, oh my God, like, you know, even if you do a hashtag personal finance, you see so many, like on Instagram, it's great. It's like oversaturated and it's mostly like debt free, fire for life. Da, da, da. <sighs> and it's like, where is anyone, is any, has, is anybody reading books about this? Is anybody writing books about this? Like, I feel like if every CFP person wrote a book, we'd make so much change in this world. Like if everybody, even if you made like a pamphlet or a packet. What I love so much, just hearing you talk, like you're clearly like really passionate about this. And I think, you know, bringing it back to this personal branding question, it's find what you care about approach that, like think creatively around it um, or find what you're just really good at. Yeah. And I, I guess communication is, is something that I've learned through teaching. Yeah. Is, I mean, you can't, if, if you don't know how to talk correctly, then they're not, you, you clearly can see it on their test score. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's like 80% me, 20% them yeah. problem. So that's kind of like the, the, the thing, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope that me deciding to 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 do kind of like contracted work with CFPs, particularly being like, okay, we need a pro- you need a project out. You need to have. I think every CFP should have some form of um, e course that could really. I mean, it could change the world. Like, I don't want to sound ridiculous, but it's like I just feel like. Yes. Is this hard? Heck yeah. Like I don't talk to that many people every day. I, I now have a co-working space, but it's like this constant work because I'm like, I need to understand that even if I don't understand PE ratios, I'm going to freaking figure it out. Like yeah. <laughs> even if I'm just going to figure it out, but I'm also going to tell my friends like, please don't go for me. Like I can help you save money and pay off a student loan, but don't come to me right now like don't do that so that's it's it's a blessing this guys so i'm excited to chat with you guys um with the next we'll do like a you know a three-month check-in i feel like this yeah. also lit a fire under my butt too because now it's making me think okay i i maybe i could just do this like non-traditional way um but you know if the job offer appears i don't know <laughs> what would happen so it, it's kind of, it's up in the air, but I mean, the ultimate goal is to create a fintech company for women of color. Cause it's just, we know the statistics, we know the equal pay rights. We know, we know all of these things. We also know that like African-American women are the fastest rising entrepreneur like group. We also know that like Asian American women are now the most, have the highest, um, they're, they're making like the most of income and salary, but it's like, are you building wealth from that? You know, like probably not. You're probably helping your family. 
Uh, and, you know, people don't talk about that, but it's like, yeah, you're probably helping your family and, and living with your parents. And, you know, uh, that's a very different conversation that you have to have. So, yeah. And everybody is so great in the FPA group. Awesome. Well, we will check in in three months. You'll be wrapping up your MBA, continuing with your CFE courses and yeah, kind of see where you are in in the process. It's a challenge. Anytime you say you're going to do something and actually follow through with it. So this is definitely a fire under my butt. If you like this episode, you can find more at fpaactivate.org and be sure to join the FPA Activate community on Facebook. It's a growing study group for financial planning professionals, from students to firm owners, professors, and board members. You'll find them all there where you too can lend your voice. We hope you'll join us and help grow the financial planning profession. Thanks for listening.